Welcome to this episode of Making Shifts Happen with Dr. Stephanie Stanfield. Are you searching for answers beyond diet and exercise? Join us as Dr. Steph shares insightful tips you can use to feel better right now and valuable information about your health that you may not know. It's all served up with a healthy dose of smiles and laughter along the way. Now, here's Dr. Steph. Hello, it's Dr. Stephanie Stanfield, and welcome to the 84th episode of Making Shifts Happen, where we're going to inspire, inform, and motivate you to succeed with creating your optimal healing and improve your health and wellness. For those of you joining us live here on Blog Talk Radio, it's great to have you with us. If you are joining us through a podcast on your smartphone, tablet, computer, or Wi-Fi radio, well, a very special welcome to you as well. These podcasts are designed to bring you leading-edge information about a variety of health topics. My team and I are dedicated to bringing you this important information so you can learn about what you can do to improve your health and start living an increasingly purposeful life. We are here every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Mountain Time, so plan on joining us each and every week. We do have a very special guest with us today, and before I introduce him, I'd just like to um, open the show with a quote, and I looked up quotes for recovery, and we talked about them a couple of times, or a couple minutes before the show, and I like this one. It says, nothing is impossible. The word itself says, I'm possible. I really do like that quote. I hope you take that to heart today. And our guest is James Healy. James and I have known each other a couple of, for a couple of months now, and he's the host of Recovery Innovators Radio, a podcast where he interviews top addiction recovery experts, giving the people in recovery and their loved ones valuable resources, and professional advice to help them find success. James is the founder of Recovery Innovators, which helps recovering addicts develop a personalized and a crystal clear path to a life that's healthy, sober, and free. So welcome, James. How are you doing today? I'm not hearing James. Let's see. James, are you with us? Are you with us? Yeah, I'm here now. There we go. (laughs) You popped in and out. Again, as I explained to James before, this is live radio. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I was uh, waiting for the participant code, but it wasn't asking for it. So anyway, here I am. Here you are. So, um, what what is how you do different than other addiction recovery programs? Maybe you can give us a preface of a little bit of um, why you're on the show and and what recovery and stress have to do with each other. So, let's talk a little bit about that. Are you ready to do that? Oh, I sure am. I sure am. Well, uh, recovery and stress kind of go hand in hand because a lot of people end up um, addicted to certain behaviors or certain substances um, in an effort to, you know, 
reduce their stress, escape anxieties, um, and that sort of thing. And they find it works really well, but just not for the long term. And um, I am, uh, myself, I'm in uh, long-term recovery, and I found myself uh, drinking way too much when I was pretty stressed out uh, about just life, you know, work, family, uh, everything like that, finances. And when I was in recovery, it was hard for me to tap into professional help. Uh, It was out of my budget. And I just didn't know where to turn, who to get help from, and that sort of thing. And so I have started a podcast where I, uh, my goal is to help addicts in recovery connect with uh, professional help and strategies these professionals might offer that um, these folks in recovery who are looking for help might not otherwise hear about or have the financial resources to tap into. And, you know, when every person's addiction is different, they're always addicted to different things. Um, and so the recovery plan is always needs to kind of be customized to fit that person's individual needs. And so my podcast, and uh, I've also subsequently become a recovery coach. So I have a coaching program, and I try to help people find all the different pieces to their personal recovery puzzle whether it's nutrition or spirituality or repairing relationships or finding a purpose or job that they love to live for, things like that. And then they can fit all those pieces together to kind of create the best vision for their successful life and recovery. It's hard for people to, you know, envision that in the future. Sometimes it's overwhelming and daunting. You mentioned that you have the Recovery Innovators Radio. Uh, how does someone find you, uh, both the radio show and your website? Can you give us those addresses? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can just go to recoveryinnovators.com or recoveryinnovatorsradio.com for the, the podcast. And you can search for Recovery Innovators on iTunes or Spreaker or Stitcher, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud. It's it's carried all over the place. If you have your favorite uh, podcast app for your phone, like Podcast Addicts is a popular one, you can uh, <laughs> you can do a search for <laughs> Recovery Innovators and it should pop up pretty quickly. <laughs> So you mentioned uh, when you were feeling stressed that you did some drinking to excess. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned earlier that it's a short-term solution, but it doesn't really work in the long term. How does it work when people use alcohol or drugs to reduce their stress? Well, you know, it doesn't really work in the long term. It works kind of short term. It makes you feel good and kind of forget about all your troubles, right? And, you know, Calgon, take me away sort of effect. <laughs> um, and you hear that all the time. When someone comes home from work or whatever, and they're, oh, it's such a day. I need a drink. I need a beer, a glass of wine, and scotch was <laughs> my drink or something like that. <laughs> and everything's fine for a while. Um, but then you, you know, after the, those effects wear off, Typically, your stress and anxieties are still there, and often they're intensified because you you kind of wasted your time and you haven't been productive. 
So, and alcohol is more of a depressant. So the long-term effect is depressing, not uplifting. And depression can definitely lead to stress. Um, alcohol also does some things you know, chemically in the body where it hinders the absorption of uh, B complex vitamins, B vitamins, and the mineral zinc, mm-hmm. which are kind of key nutrients to help you feel good. They're kind of those feel-good things. You always hear people say, I need a shot of B, vitamin Bs or something. Um, <laughs> and then alcohol, I definitely found this, uh, alcohol disrupts your sleep patterns. Um, and they can do it as little as if you have one glass of wine. Your sleep patterns are not going to be uh, very uh, smooth. And a lot of times you feel less rested, tired, uh, you know, kind of irritable. And then that kind of leads to more stress and anxiety. Um, and typically alcohol comes in some sort of high-carbohydrate potion, beer, wine, or liquor, <laughs> and, which usually causes a huge spike in your blood sugar. And this tips typically makes people pretty um, fired up and aggressive and maybe a little testy if they're, you know, frustrated about something. And then when that sugar, you know, the famous sugar crash, then uh, they're going to get kind of lethargic and lazy and then be less productive, which then, uh, you know, when you, you come out of it, then you're just like stressed out because, again, you are less productive. So. Yeah, it certainly doesn't sound like a long-term solution. And uh, we're coming up on our time for a quick commercial. So we'll have James talk to us a little bit when we come back about if someone doesn't really feel like they're abusing, what are some of the things that you might uh, look for or help them with? Or uh, how can their family and friends help them if they're getting clean only temporarily? I'll just interject this real briefly. Uh, James talked about how long it can be between making the decision to get sober and actually taking the steps to get sober. So when we come back from our brief commercial break, we'll hear a lot more about this from James, and I'm absolutely fascinated. I hope you all are enjoying this as well. Stress is so common in our fast-paced society right now, we don't realize how much it depletes us and how much time and energy we spend just trying to get through our day. What if you knew ways to manage your stress and your energy so that you would have more energy at the end of every day? Did you know that with a little help and information on the Calm Moms free report, you can begin relieving your stress? Start feeling more peaceful right away. Get your life back on track and become more efficient with your time and time management. Relieve pain. And this is important for moms and their children. Have fewer doctor visits and suffer less from illness. You can sign up for this Calm Moms free report on www.makingshiftshappen.com forward slash calm dash moms dash free dash report. Go to Making Shifts Happen right now and register for this life-changing free report. Remember this. Okay, and we're back. We're going to have James talk to us a little bit more about 
um, if someone doesn't really feel like they're abusing alcohol and drugs, uh, how would getting sober help them reduce stress? So, James, take it away. All right. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, um, it's so normal in our culture to, to drink. Um, when, you, when you become of drinking age, um, it becomes one of those habits where people have a glass of wine with dinner or beer or whatever it is. And, you know, it's basically a poison that you're putting in your body. And there's really um, no one who wouldn't benefit by um, going on a sobriety fast, you know, an alcohol fast and becoming sober for a period of time. Um, and you would you would get more absorption of those feel-good nutrients, the B vitamins and the zinc, so you'd feel better, you'd get better sleep, you're your blood sugar levels would wouldn't spike so much, um, and so you'd, you'd feel better physically, and then you'd save money. Um, you know, it adds <laughs> up if you have if you have a drinking habit, even if you're not, you know, you're not abusing um, a glass of wine um, every day. It would easily adds up to, you know, $1,000 a year or so. And if you were given a $1,000 raise at work, you'd probably feel pretty good. But even if you just quit <laughs> for a week or a month, a lot of people go through this where they just they'll quit for a month and see how they feel, and, they, and they're surprised to see how much better they feel. Plus, they can take that money and spend it on something else, something fun that they might have for, um, a, you know, a longer period of enjoyment, like a new uh, uh-huh. new bike or something, you know. So, yeah, it can be, it yeah. can be good for people to, to take a break. And you'd be surprised how hard it is to do if it's definitely a part of your daily routine or weekly routine. Well, and, and coming home and going to the refrigerator, opening the door and getting a cold one, whatever that might be, is a mm-hmm. habit, too. And mm-hmm. habits can be challenging for us to break, not simply the alcohol habit, but the habit of coming in and doing something that um, gives you a little bit of a buffer for the day. So do you recommend replacing this habit of, of heading for the refrigerator as soon as you walk through the door or heading for the bar? What what kind of things can people do instead so that they still feel like they've got a buffer, but they may not be drinking? Right, right. Uh, well, they could replace the physical drink with some other drink um, that wasn't alcoholic, uh, um, you know, some um, carbonated water or or some uh, iced tea or something like that, and that can kind of replace that physicalness of the actual grabbing, grabbing the drink. Or you can completely change your routine when you come home from work and and go for a 20-minute walk and it kind of throws off your routine so suddenly you're not in that same kind of, like you say, habit of I put down my my stuff from work and then I go straight to the fridge and I sit on the couch and I click on the TV and there I sit until, you know, I make dinner or something. Um, Or you can can do something completely different like write in a journal and um, start to work on some other goals that you might have in your life. You always say, well, I always wanted to 
write these stories or I have this old box of photos that I've been wanting to sort through. Well, maybe that's your new routine as you pull out that box and for half an hour you sort through those. And over time you'll get through them all and you won't have had that drink. So it is it is trying to come up with a new routine. You know, most of us brush our teeth every day, at least two times a day, and we never think about it, and we'd think it was weird if we didn't do that. So the same thing kind of happens <laughs> when you're a daily drinker. It's kind of, it feels weird to not do that at first. But if you start replacing those that habit with something else, it can it feel a little, you start to create different pathways in your in your brain, basically. And I'm going to come back to that question again because something in the core of it just keeps resonating with me. Um, if someone doesn't really feel like they are abusing alcohol or drugs, um, what would you consider maybe switching from a recreational user to an actual abuser? We haven't really talked about covering this, but it's there in the question, and I'm wondering what your response to that question might be. How, how do we know when someone's going, you know, becoming an abuser versus a recreational user? I, mm-hmm. Like someone, someone comes home from work, like you mentioned, and they have one glass yeah. of wine, and then they're they don't really consider themselves an abuser. Most of the world wouldn't, but right. When when is the shift made from a recreational user into an abuser? I, you know, I think it, when it goes from being Fun, you know, just fun is kind of you know what you would think of as recreation. You do recreational stuff for fun. It goes fun to fun with problems. It starts causing problems, whether it's health or within your relationships, or and a lot of times we don't see that that it's causing problems. That that's the cause, and that's why it can be good to take a break for thirty days or something and see what happens to your health and to your your overall attitude and things because it can improve when you're not drinking. Um, so if, if you find also that you just you can't not drink, like you, if, if you have been a daily drinker for the last 20 years um, and it's really hard for you to stop, you might be, might be abusing the substance because it's become such a, a routine habit. Uh, that you can't really mm-hmm. live without it. And, and it will cause you health so, problems over time. It will, yes. Yeah. So you, you talk about taking this break. How can someone let their friends or family know they're getting clean and sober, even during this break or this short time, and not let it feel awkward or stressful? Yeah, that's that's a good question because it can be very awkward if you are in the usual social situation where people are often drinking and all of a sudden you aren't. And um, to make it kind of smooth, I know sometimes it's just easier to, to, to say it's because of health reasons like, or you're just taking a break. Like, I just, no, I'm just not going to drink for 30 days and just see what it's like. Um, and, you know, and if you put a timeline on it, then people don't think you're just quitting forever which can be kind of, mm-hmm. you know, dramatic or something, and that it's just a health reason, and um, you're just trying it out. And I think most people find when they're honest about that, that if they're saying it's for health reasons, a lot of their friends would say, oh, I wish I could do that. Or they might join them, you know, might be able to say, well, let's do it together. And then they have an accountability mm-hmm. partner, 
um, that you know they can share the experience with. And, um, and then there's just not as much pressure to, you know, it's not like they're admitting that they have a problem and that they're, you know, seeking, they're going to a treatment center <laughs> or something. It's just that they're, they're trying it out. They're just going to, I'm just not going to drink. I'm just choosing not to drink right now for, and I think it's better for my health. And I don't know if, it, if well, someone's then... really got a problem with that. I don't see a lot of peer pressure. Among adult friends, maybe when you're really starting out drinking and, and you're a teenager in college or something, but um, most people are going to be pretty understanding and not push the subject. Right. And and being um, someone who does not drink very often, you know, I'll have a mm-hmm. margarita here and there or whatever. I did face mm-hmm. a lot of peer pressure when I was younger, but I used to find it absolutely amusing because... Um, I would go out to the bar, and long before the term was was used frequently, I was the designated driver because I was the sober mm-hmm. one. Okay, uh-huh. and uh, then I'd have people from maybe the bar come up to me the next day and say, "Boy, you were really loaded last night," or whatever, and I'd be looking at them in shock, going, "I didn't have anything to drink. I, I was drinking club <laughs> soda with a lime." Oh no, oh no, you were just loaded. I'm surprised you're so not hungover enough, and. All of those types of things. And it's amazing how alcohol distorts your reality. So when we come back into um, the four self-healing skills, then we talk um, about awareness. And it sounds to me like what you're asking someone to do is is to find what's going on with them really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of a story they're telling themselves. Yeah, and you're going to become much more aware of what's happening when you're not, your senses aren't altered by a substance like alcohol or drugs. So, and just after, you know, being sober for a week, you're going to feel, you're going to feel different. And at first, if you're a daily drinker, it's going to be hard uh, physically. You might, you might have some withdrawals and you might feel kind of like a headache and feel kind of crappy and grumpy. But uh, over time, that will get better. And if you stick with it, it can be worth it. So tell us again how someone can uh, reach you with your website or your uh, Recovery Innovators radio show. Yeah, just do uh, go to uh, recoveryinnovators.com or recoveryinnovatorsradio.com. Uh, or do a search on iTunes for Recovery Innovators, and you can listen to the show or Spreaker, um, Stitcher, any of those, and you, you can find the show. And um, in the show notes, there'll be there'll be links and that sort of thing too. So pretty easy to Great. find. And it sounds like you know your stuff. And so again, I just um, advise anybody who's looking for maybe shifting or trying that temporary clean and sober for a while to get in touch with James. Um, I opened the show with a quote. James, can you help help us with a quote that you happen to like? Sure. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite motivational quotes is, it is never too late to be what you might have been. That's George Eliot. And I always think of that because so many people, they reach an age where they just become complacent and they're just 
they're stuck and they accept it and they don't want to change. Change is scary. But if you want to be something else, be someone else, or try something different and new, uh, it's never too late. You can always get out there and, and do it. Absolutely. So what's a tool that you use every day, one that you would hate to live without? A tool I use is I, I like to move. I like to walk. I hike, uh, ski, ride my bike, and I love to be outdoors, just being outside and being in nature and hearing the wind, feeling the wind, and seeing the the sky is just and sharing that with others that you you enjoy being with is just super special. I wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way. And what do you do for fun? We have about forty seconds left. What do you do for fun? <laughs> for fun, I love to spend time with my family. I have a three and a half year old son and a beautiful wife and, a, and an awesome. Uh, sled dog, Alaskan Husky, and we love to get out and hike and climb. And uh, I do a little windsurfing. Skiing is really big in the winter. Uh, Cross country, alpine skiing, snowboarding, all, all kinds of fast fun. I like to go fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for joining us, James. And I hope that you all can email me with info at makingshiftshappen.com with any questions you might have. And James has listed how you can get in touch with him. I would encourage you to do that. Thank you so much, James. Thank you, Stephanie. It's been wonderful. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Shifts Happen with Dr. Stephanie Stanfield. To learn more or to reach out to Dr. Steph, please visit makingshiftshappen.com. And join us again next time.